0: Each May, um, my wife and I we celebrate our anniversary because that's when our anniversary is. That's when we celebrate it then. And we've we're married 14 years in May. And one of the things that we always try to do in our anniversary is is to celebrate. We try to get away for a couple of days. And, and sometimes we can't get away. Sometimes getting away is you know getting a babysitter and just going to dinner. But I remember a couple of years ago. Um, we went to the Smokies, and and one of the things that we love to do is to go hiking. And so we were um, in the Smokies hiking, and, and the thing about hiking is it's, it's a lot of fun for a lot of reasons if, if you're into hiking. Um, you know, the, the, just the scenery, just being out, it's not like I get to do that every day, being out in nature, the, the sights and the sounds. Um, but isn't it true that with, with hiking, at least when you're a mountain, the best part of hiking is getting to the summit, right? Like, there's lots of fun things about it, but man, you, you endure a lot of it so that you can get, get to the top. And so, you know, I, I don't know um, about you the way that you're going to perceive 2 Corinthians 4 today, but, but the summit of this text for me is verse 14. And so today, we're going to just kind of be walking through this text, and I'm going to be pointing things out, and, and there might be some things that spark in your heart, but my goal is to get us to verse 14 so that we can see. You know, when you get to the summit, things are just clearer. You can see further, and there's not, there's not brush, and there's not trees. You can see into this, and so my hope this morning is that, is that as we're walking through this text, that, man, God speaks to us along the trail. And that there are things that, man, they, they speak into our heart and they, and they awaken things in us, but I, but I hope that when we get to 14, it's that moment where we go, yes, it was worth it to listen to Brandon for that long to get here. Like, that's my hope for us this morning. You know, um, what is it that, that drives us to keep going? What is it that drives us to, to not give up when something hard comes our way? You know, the reality is it's, it's different for each of us and it's different for every difficulty that we face in life. I remember when I was in high school and uh, I was playing on the baseball team and my junior year, things just weren't going really well for me. And 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 it was just not a good season. I wasn't getting to play that much. And I was just frustrated. The coach wouldn't let me play. And he probably wasn't letting me play because I just wasn't that good, right? Like that's there's a reason I wasn't playing. So I don't want to, you know, acknowledge that I was just some, you know, all-state star. But you know, and so I wasn't getting to play because I probably didn't deserve to play. But but I wanted to quit. I was frustrated. I'm like, I'm a junior and I'm sitting on the bench. I don't want to be, I wanna be in the game. And and I remember in that season, my parents just looking at me and like, Brandon, you can't quit. Like, we're not going to let you quit this game. You started it. You've, you've got to finish it. And you see, my parents had lived enough life to know that, that they were trying to develop this resolve in me. Um, this, this toughness in me that just because something hard comes along, it doesn't mean that, that you just get to quit and, and lay it down. And so, you know, for, for, for you, you think about maybe a hard class that you were in in, in grad school or in undergrad. Or maybe there's, there's friction right now in a friendship Or maybe you're in a situation with one of your kids where you're parenting and you're just at a loss at what to do. And isn't it true so often that the easy thing to do is just to do nothing, is just to quit, is to change majors, to give up on that friendship, to to, to do nothing. And I go, but you think about it. That's so often not the thing that we do. And what is it that drives us to stay the course, to keep going, to not give up when something hard comes our way? And I believe what it is, is it's a, a desired outcome. It's, it's, it's we see through the hard thing to see the thing that we hope for. The thing that we really want. My wife and I this week, we were watching this documentary on um, the apostle Paul. And so if you, if you know who Paul is, if, if in, the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's broke up in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Paul wrote over half of the New Testament books in the Bible. Not over half, he wrote almost half of the books in the New Testament and, and Paul, a little bit about his story, he, he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up going to, you know, knowing about Jesus and loving Jesus and following Jesus. No, he, he, he was a convert to Christianity later in life. And, and, and what you discover as you are reading through the New Testament is that Paul's life was really marked by these three different missionary discipleship journeys, these different seasons where, where he would leave home. And, and for a season, he would just travel all around what is now the, the Middle East for the purpose of helping people come to know Jesus. I mean, three different times, three different seasons in, in his adult life. This is what he did. This is what he gave his time to. And, and we were watching this documentary and it was, you know, just showing all these places, the, the Roman roads that he walked on all these sites in what is now modern-day Turkey that, that Paul would go to. And, and so they were showing all these different cities as you go and read through the book of Acts, these cities that I've never been to. Maybe some of you have visited there and have seen these in, with your own eyes, but I've never seen them. And so they were showing all these different cities that he would have visited. And, and, and they were talking about all the hardships that it would have, would have cost Paul to get to all these cities, that, that there were these you know, storms, and in order to get to, to these places, he would have to travel by boat. And don't think boats like we have it today. You know, he's not cruising on some cruise line or to to get there. It's it's roughing it. It's it's bo- bo- boats that weren't even made for passengers that were intended for cargo, and they just catch a ride. Or 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 he didn't have planes and he didn't have cars. That he was walking places, and, and 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 so he had all these physical things. And then he would get to these cities, and then he's in danger of of, of animals, and then he faced danger of of robbers, and he and maybe the hardest thing is that in every city, he faced rejection. You ever been rejected? Where someone looks at you and they go, you're crazy. I want nothing to do with you. And over and over again, Paul, he submitted himself to these hardships that leaving home and going all over the world, he submitted himself. Why? What drove him to keep going? I just kept asking myself as I was watching this, what was it that that caused Paul to keep going over and over and over and over again? And it's because he saw through the hardship to see the hope. That he knew this life was best lived pleasing Jesus. And he knew that if he lived this life pleasing Jesus through the hardships of this life on the other side he would would be experiencing life with Jesus in the fullness it was Jesus life with him now life with him in the future that that kept him going and so I want to go through second Corinthians chapter four just kind of walk through this we're going to walk up the trail to get to 14 and so this is how Paul begins verse one in second Corinthians four he says therefore since through God's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. And there's so much gold in this text. I wish we could just camp out here for, for the next week. You know, what, what I love, I want to point out a couple things here. Paul never got far from the mercy of Jesus. You know, Paul understood that, that God came and found him when he was an enemy of God, not a friend of God when he was actively working against the things that God was doing, he understood that that it wasn't because he was so good and so smart that he tried so hard. No, he understood that he was running from God, rebelling against God, and it was in that moment that the mercy of God came and found him and pulled him in. You see, it was the mercy of God that Paul never got away from because you know when we get away from the mercy of God, what happens is arrogance comes in. When we forget about what we were like before Christ came and found us, we walk around with, with judgmental spirits and harsh attitudes. But when we understand, when we don't get far from the mercy of God, we for, remember what we were like when Christ came and found us. Man, we can be useful to God in this life. He says, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. And I love this. He doesn't say, I have this ministry. What does he say? What does he say? We. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God's people. And you go back and you read 2 Corinthians chapter three, the chapter right before this, and he unpacks this ministry. What mercy is he talking about that we as God's people have received? You know what the ministry is? It's a ministry that is led by the Holy Spirit. A ministry that works through each of us that works through you, Keegan, that works through you, Travis, that works through you, Nash, that works through you, Brooke, that works through us to do what? To bring others into right standing with God, into the righteousness of God. This, this ministry that we've been given that, 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 that God works through you, Landon, through you, Anna, to bring people who are not in freedom into freedom That works through us to help transform the people around us into the fullness of jesus it's a ministry that's marked by boldness therefore since through god's mercy we've received this ministry we do not lose heart i want to hear i want you to hear this no one tells you to to not lose heart when life is good when do you need someone to tell you don't lose heart it could also be translated, don't be discouraged. When do you need someone to tell you that? When you got a raise at work? <laughs> when you just got married? You know, when, 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 when you just made a new best friend? When do you need someone to tell you, do not be discouraged? Man, when life's falling apart. <laughs> when life is hard. When, when things are not going the way that you wanted, the way that you had planned, and Paul keeps going, he says... Since through God's mercy, we do not lose heart. Verse two, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. I love that. We've renounced secret and shameful ways. You're like, Brandon, are you really going to get to verse 14? You're taking a lot of time. You know, we're starting at the the beginning of the trailhead. There's lots of things I'm trying to point out. We're not going to go into detail in all these verses. We've renounced secret and shameful ways. Think about this, really. Is there any secret, shameful sin that you're hiding right now? This morning, my encouragement to you is, is to part from it. Um, to, to confess it. And to ask for help, I, I really believe that, that this is a, a life-saving boat that God's appeal for you to bring it into the light. You know, you think about this. If you're, if you're in the ocean and you're drowning, this is the, the picture of what sin does. This is what shame does. It, it brings us under. It pulls us into the dark. And God, in his mercy, is saying, renounce your secret and shameful ways. I'm not gonna invite you to come up here and get on the microphone and, and tell everybody your, your secret and shameful sin, but my encouragement to you this morning is to, is to bring it into the light. That this is God's appeal, lay it down. Let it go, live in the light, no more duplicity. No more fear of being found out, no more drowning, no more shame. Man, sin weighs on us so heavy. I remember in high school trying to to hide this secret sin of my life and and it it made anxiety come because I was worried about people finding out the duplicitous life that I was living. And this is what sin does. It sucks all the joy out of life. And it makes us so scared to turn the corner. And and it's actually counterintuitive because when you confess and you're so scared, you're gonna be judged and condemned. And when you actually bring it into light, what you find is you actually come alive. Verse three, Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The word for perish, it, it means to, are being destroyed, but it also means those who are losing. Or think about it like this, those who are missing out on God. Missing out on life with God right now. Verse four, it says, the God, listen to this, this is the serious words that Paul writes. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That word mind there, it's, it's talking about the thoughts, it's talking about the purposes. It says that the God of this age, that Satan has blinded the thoughts and the purposes of people who, who don't yet follow Jesus so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. That word glory, it means the honor, the greatness of Christ who is the image of God. There's so much in this. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we gotta understand this, that, that our, our friends and our families who, who don't follow Jesus, there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual blinding of of, of the heart, of of the eyes. And the good news is, you know, 2 Corinthians 3 says that whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that the veil is taken away, the blinders come off, you start to see that that Jesus is not just one moral teacher among many, that he's not just this good philosophical teacher, that he's not just this one spiritual leader. Because when you're saying that, you're acknowledging that, that 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 you're not acknowledging the things that Jesus has said. Jesus makes claims about himself, that he's the son of God, that he's the savior of the world, the king of heaven and earth. And to say that Jesus is anything less is, is, is dishonoring Jesus. I love this. Paul says that, 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 that the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, keeps going. But what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for God who said let light shine out of darkness he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ keeps reading keeps going to verse seven but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us We have this treasure in jars of clay, it's it's beautiful. He's he's comparing the treasure with that which holds it. He's comparing us to the thing that's inside of us as God's people. Jars of clay were super common. They were everywhere back when this was written. They were disposable. You couldn't even recycle them. A, A jar of clay, once it was broken, it was thrown away. Couldn't use it anymore. You would never put a treasure in a jar of clay. And I love this because he's drawing the attention to to what he's done. And we tend to think so much, so high of ourselves. And he's like, man, you're like a jar of clay compared to the thing that you carry. And he's not diminishing us. He's really not. He's not saying you're worthless, you're disposed. But what he's wanting us to understand is the excellence, the superlative quality of what is in us. Of what we have of where it comes from that that it 's not from us it 's from God, and what he 's talking about that treasure is that what God has done in us through revealing Jesus to us it 's no small thing maybe if you grew up in church or or you've, if this is you know you, you 're you're, you're here every Sunday or maybe you 're here every Easter and you 've heard this over and over and over again it is no small thing that the God of the universe has reached down and helped you. Believe in Jesus. It's no small thing. Verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. Imagine Paul writing this the rejection he faced, the hardship. He said, We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. He said, We're perplexed. We're at a loss, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted but not abandoned. We're struck down but not destroyed. He says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body, and I love that, 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 that word revealed that, that his life would be manifested, that his life would be seen in us. You know, as followers of Jesus, part of what it means to follow Christ is that we die to ourselves so that Jesus can live in us. That, that we give over the, 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 the steering wheel of our life, the reins of our lives, so that Jesus can, can guide us and it's not just because he's the all-knowing one who, who understands things, who, who knows how to walk with us and, and lead us. It's, it's, he, he does it so that other people can see Jesus through us. Do you understand that? That, that part of the reason that we die to ourselves, that, that we let Christ be the Lord of our lives is so that, so that the beauty of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus, the character in the heart of Jesus could be seen and experienced by the world through us. You know, Jesus right now in heaven is revealing that he is God to people all over the world. I mean, he's doing it. One of my friends, he's, he's working among Muslim refugees in the Middle East. And he talks about how, how Jesus is showing up and appearing to people in dreams at night and visions and saying, you know, come to me, give your life to me. I am real, lay aside this. And so Jesus has no problem communicating who he is. But one of the ways that he loves to work and chooses to work is to work through his people, to show the world who he is, what he's like. Because when you see Jesus in people, you're drawn to Jesus. It's, it's so counter, this world. I remember many years ago, this story, and I've shared this here before, but I remember after the, the Charleston church shooting, the shooter walks in and, 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 and he shoots these people and many people die, they lose their lives. And it was just this tragic moment. And I remember this, this moment where, where one of the people who lost their family members gets on national television and it's like, what's he gonna say? And he says to the shooter, Me and my family, we forgive you. And more than anything, we want you to come to know the love of Jesus. I remember seeing that on national television. It's like, whoa. This guy just lost people in his family that he loves dearly. And for this man who, who just inflicted the murder, who, who was senseless and, and heartless and cold, and he says, anyone who would do that doesn't know Jesus, and I want you to know Jesus. Guys, it's not just the, the, that Jesus is seen when we're wrong, when we get a chance to forgive. No, it's, it's, it's displayed in every part of our life and how we talk and what we talk about. Take an inventory of the things that you talk about. How often are you talking about Jesus and the things that he's doing in your life and in your heart and in your family? And I go, look at my life and I go, man, I I want that to increase. I don't know if a random stranger came and spent time with me, if they would know that I'm completely caught up in Jesus. I spend a lot more time talking about other things. It's It's about where we spend our time. I was talking to Kimberlyn this morning. Kimberly's a part of Keila's discipleship group. And she said, Keilah's part of our church family challenged the, the women to, to wake up every morning, spend an hour with God. And Kimberly's going, I've been waking up, spending time with God. And, and here's what I found. I want more time with God. Because once you sit in his presence, once you get to know his heart, you just want him more and more and more and more. Christ in us, Christ through us, the way we talk, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our treasure, the way we spend our money, choosing to be generous to the poor, to help those in need. All these things, Christ in us, Christ through us. Verse 12, he says, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. He says, It's written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And we get to the summit of verse 14. Because we know. Because we know. We know that the one who raised Jesus, the Lord from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. See, Easter Sunday morning, it's the moment that the Son of God, not just a nice person, that God himself the sinless one, the perfect one, the, the, the king of all kings, the one who was there in the beginning, who all things were made through him, this, this God who saw our sin and our rebellion, and, and he didn't just choose to throw in the towel on, on us. He didn't just choose because it was hard because we were rebelling. He didn't just say, I'm done. No, Jesus came close. And he was crushed. He was hung on a cross on a Friday. But on Easter Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. He came back to life. It's, it's the day when, when hope, when hope of, of, of life with God and being right with God and, and spending eternity with God became more than just a wishful thought. It became an inevitable reality that we are talking about Jesus, the one that not even death itself can stop. Jesus, the one that that death is not strong enough to keep down. Death is the ultimate stopper. (laughs) Maybe not of movements. Movements can live on after people, but death is the ultimate stopper of people. No more dreaming, no more doing. When you see death, what you hear is, your time is done. But Jesus went into death and he overcame it. He rose from the dead. That the son of God died on Friday, was rose, he rose from the dead on Sunday. And the scriptures tell us that when we believe this in our heart, that he did this, that, that, that he is now alive. Scripture, you know what it says in Romans 10? It says that when we believe this, we are justified. It's a foolish thought when you think about it. For someone to be raised from the dead when you, when you really go logically here, have you ever been to a funeral and saw them get up out of the casket and, and, and have been alive forever? Have you ever seen that happen? When we believe this, you're justified with God. How does that work? I don't know. But when God sees you willing to believe that in your heart, he declares you to be righteous, that your sin and your shame and all the rebellion, it's, it's done away with. And the thing about life with Jesus, though, is, is it can't just stay private. That, that walking with Jesus is never just this one-on-one thing with God. When people say that, they're actually missing it because faith, true faith in Jesus always comes out in the fruit of your life. That when you really believe that Jesus died and rose again, you, you won't keep it secret. And there's no shame about you. There's, there's no part of you that's ashamed to be associated with Jesus when, when real faith, that the real son of God chose to deal with your sin, not by dismissing it, not by doing away with you, but by dying for you and, and triumphing over death, giving you hope, giving you a future. When you understand that, the response of your heart is to bear fruit for God for the rest of your life. To declare with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. And to not just say that, there's, there's no power when you say something, but your life doesn't actually reflect it. He's not saying in Romans 10, just, just utter this phrase, Jesus is Lord, no, he's saying, let your life, every part of your life, your, your language and your heart and the way you treat your spouse, and the way you treat your kids, the way you live at work, the way that you interact with your, 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 your barber, the way that you interact with your barista, let every part of your life reveal that Jesus is your Lord. And the reality is that none of us live like that. None of us do. We want to, but none of us do. But this is what allows us to endure the hard things in life. Man, to keep going when we stumble. To to not give up when, man, we've had a bad day, or a, a bad week, or a bad month, or a bad season, or a bad decade with God, he always says, come home, come home. Let's go, I got plans for you, I got life for you, I got fruit for you to bear in your life, doesn't matter what you've done, come home. Believe in Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus. What happens when this is our reality, when we believe, when Jesus is the Lord of our lives? You know what happens? Death loses its sting in our lives. We start to live with confidence. We we start to live radical lives of, of, of selflessness and generosity and compassion because we know we're not trying to get everything out of this life, there's life for us on the other side. What would compel Paul to spend his life going and sharing Jesus? He knew that this life wasn't just about what he could get. It was about what he could give in this life. (laughs) Who could could experience the life-changing grace? Who needed it like he did? Verse 15, we're almost done. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace, I love this, that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. May we be people that overflow With thanksgiving to the glory of God because of the way that grace is reaching more and more people. Verse 16, therefore, here it is again, we do not lose heart. He says it twice. If you're discouraged this morning, he says it twice (laughs) because he knows we need it. Don't be discouraged. Do not lose your heart. Do not quit. Get your heart back. Do not quit. Don't lose heart. He says outwardly, we're wasting away, all of us, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light, verse 17, and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far far outweighs them all. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our bodies are gonna fail in this life. Sickness is coming. Cancer comes. It just happens. This is life. Our bodies are wasting away, yet inwardly, We're becoming stronger. More like Jesus. Longing to be with Jesus. More of his character, more of his heart. That's the purpose of this life, that we in this life would become like Christ. Paul knew that resurrection was coming. But he also knew that reward awaited him. I love verse 17. It says, a better translation, it says that that the eternal weight of glory. I hope you know this, that, that there will be a moment when you die to yourself in this life and you live for the Lord Jesus, there will be a moment in heaven of honor and recognition and reward for your faithfulness. for your sacrifice, for your laying down your life, choosing not to to take, but to lay down. And Paul knew it. What enables us to to keep going through the hard stuff in life? I tell you, there's two things, the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And they are inevitable. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we keep our eyes on on those places on his resurrection, and on his return. And I love this. Paul says, guys, we can't see him now. We fix our eyes not on what is seen. Let's not get caught up in this life and the things that are seen. Better this, better that, more of this, more of that. No, keep your eyes on the things that are unseen. Jesus wants us. He wants our allegiance. He he wants our love. He wants to to help us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to bring us comfort and encouragement through all the valleys of life. He wants to empower you and work through you to bring other people to him. And I love the way that Jesus ends John chapter 20. He just rose from the dead. He's hanging with the 12, 12 disciples, 12 apostles. And he looks at one of them and he says, because you have seen me, you've believed. But I'll leave us with this today. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you who believe in Jesus, even though you haven't seen him. Blessed are you who are living for Jesus, even though you've never seen him. Blessed are you who are laying down your life because you expect resurrection and reward. Blessed are you. Each week, as a church family, we take communion we eat a piece of bread, we drink a cup of juice because Jesus told us to do this. And this morning, the way that we're going to take communion together is all around the room, scattered on the tables and bar there, a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And just a minute, I'm gonna invite you to go get up and to grab one of those, those and to come back to your seat. And with the people around you, we're gonna throw up a couple of questions. You know, communion is, is communing. It's, it's talking, it's conversation. It's not just this thing between you and God. And so today I wanna to invite us as you're, as you're thinking about Christ, what he's done for you. The broken body, the shed blood. I encourage you to wrestle with these two questions, man. What was speaking to you from the scripture today? The second thing is there, is there anything the Lord is inviting you to start believing or to start doing? And so with the people around you, I encourage you to open up and as you're taking communion to answer these questions. So I invite us to stand up right now and to go and get communion. And you, know, you can take communion um, for the next few minutes. We're gonna play some music in the background and I'll get back up and I'll call us back out.